All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers presented by Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out on a Sunday. Consecutive Laker wins, which is something that has happened only six times this season. I'm going to need you guys to bear with me a little bit. I'm currently in my truck hurtling on the road down towards Tucson from a weekend of skiing with my wife and some friends up in Flagstaff, but I was fortunately able to catch the game in its entirety. Um, I'm a little more optimistic than most, but we'll get into that. Raj, how you doing, buddy? How's your weekend been? It's good. It's good. I appreciate, you know, you covering for me and Jason Maples coming on on Friday, although it did get cut short. I saw there with some technical difficulties, but yeah, man, two days of, of partying, dancing, you know, and to music and stuff will get you exhausted. So I'm back, though, ready to talk some Lakers basketball here. Yeah, you do sound like you're in a truck or something. So I was going to let you know I hear some background noise there. OK, I'll do I'll do the best I can to keep you muted <laughs> when good. I'm not talking for that. Effect. Um, but happy New Year, buddy. It's good to have you back. Happy New Year. Um, so again, I'm a, I'm a little more optimistic than most. You know, Minnesota's young and athletic, and mm-hmm. they played really good defense tonight, playoff-style defense, with really a, a lot of, like, uh, adjustments that have been made from previous matchups between these two teams. You saw a lot of packing the paint, ignoring Russell Westbrook, putting a lot of pressure on LeBron, both on the ball and off the ball. I thought that was a big part of why his shot attempts were down. Um, relative to the way he's been shooting the ball throughout the game, making LeBron into a passer. And uh, little stretches of impressive shot making from Minnesota uh, at various points in the game. And, you know, to get a bad game out of Russ, like just a horrendous, horrific, horrible eyesore of a basketball game from Russell Westbrook and to get a win uh, with no Anthony Davis, I'm going to go positive here. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, I do feel a little bit more positive. I think, you know, we're not in any position to be picky about wins. Right now it's a team that's under 500, I think a game under 500 or something. No position to be picky, man. A win is a win. Uh, we're, we're starting to get guys back at least. Uh, I thought the wing rotation is a lot better. I would still like to see Dwight Howard play the backup center role, especially with a guy like Nas Reed just killing us. Uh, I would like the rotation to be a little less rigid, but again, that's kind of nitpicking. Um, I feel like they're going to the small ball thing and going to try to make it work. I thought Russ was really bad in the first half. That was a lot better in the second half. He had five three-point attempts in the first half. He was 0 for 5, didn't take one in the second half. Um, I think only two turnovers. I think he had nine turnovers on the game or something, but I think only like two or three were in the second half. So he did pick his spots a little bit better, and LeBron just continues to be incredible. He didn't score 30 tonight, ending his seven straight, I believe it was seven straight 30-point games. Um, he ended that streak tonight, uh, finishing, I think, with 26 or something. Uh, but he was incredible in the fourth on defense as well. He looked tired, too, uh, just be having to cover all that ground at the five, but had a lot of strip balls away. And then tonight, Malik Monk, Carmelo, we'll get into it, but those guys kind of saved us. Avery Bradley as well, who I think we could talk about, who's been kind of consistent, who's been consistent, um, a little bit low-key, but has been consistently playing well. So that's kind of what I thought from tonight, man, uh, uh, two straight wins. Uh, two teams that aren't very good, right? Portland, I think, is on a slide, even though they have a bunch of players um, back. And then tonight, Minnesota, obviously missing Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. But, you know, you get a win. I thought the – so ESPN came out with the spread today. The Lakers were eight points favorites tonight. I thought that was insanity, even with the people that – even with the people that Minnesota was getting back. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a good win, man. We can we can kind of pick pick up on this one. But at least it's something to build off. Uh, two straight wins is, is at least something to kind of get the – thing rolling here because we're getting guys back 
again, you can't ever take a game at face value. You know, it's easy to look mm-hmm. at it from the surface and be like, oh, Carl Anthony Towns didn't play, you know, yeah. or, oh, D'Angelo Russell didn't play. No, that was a big athletic basketball team that has seen the Lakers play a couple times this year that has made adjustments. Like I said, the game resembled a playoff game in a lot of ways. That's what playoff basketball feels like when they take away everything that you want to do and force you to adapt. And that's important because, you know, we, we look at these games recently, like beating the heck out of Portland uh, two nights ago or winning that game in Houston. Like that game in Portland, that's not real basketball. Did you see some of the defensive breakdowns that Portland was having in that game? That's not what playoff defenses look like. So as much They as, were awful. Yeah. yeah, they were awful. So as much mm-hmm. as it feels good, as much as it's exciting and fun to watch and you're watching LeBron dunk on everybody and, yeah, that's fun and that's cool, but that doesn't translate to what they need in order to succeed when they get to the end of the season, when they're playing against playoff quality teams time after time when they can make adjustments. And what you saw tonight was a playoff type of defensive strategy. And again, I know that seems laughable to say about that specific team, but watch the games. If you watch the games and you see what they're doing, the type of athletes they have on the floor, the way their health defense was set up, the way they were packing the paint, that's what playoff basketball looks like. And you know what happens in situations like that? You have to adapt. And I thought, you know, some guys didn't do a good job of that. Like Russ really struggled with it tonight. You could tell he just didn't really understand when he would get into the paint what to do um, because they were taking away his easy reads. And then, you know, as the game progressed, you saw LeBron kind of make adjustments, right? Because there at the end of the game, especially in that fourth quarter, he was magnificent defensively. And you saw that even though LeBron wasn't able to score at the rate that he's been scoring in recent weeks, he impacted the game all over the floor as a defensive player. And then, I don't know if you noticed this too, but he had a lot of hockey assists in that fourth quarter plays where he would generate an advantage, Mm -hmm. collapse the defense, kick out to a guy. But because Minnesota was so good in their help rotation, they would take away that first option with the rotate with the rotation, but there'd be swing, swing or cutter here, cutter there. And they get a really good shot. And that to me is the kind of stuff that does translate to the playoffs and in games like that against teams that are um, really, really good in their help defense and against teams that take away what you like to do easily. That's where Supreme talent becomes such a factor. And that's why you need guys like Anthony Davis on the floor with you, with LeBron to succeed in that environment. But I could take this another direction. And this is where I get concerned with Russ because one of the things I fear with Russ is against teams that do this to him, completely ignore him off the ball, and then pack the paint on him when he has the ball and try to turn him into a jump shooter, it could look like this a lot in that setting. And that concerns me. And I'd like to see, you know, he needs to watch some Avery Bradley tape and look at the way that Avery Bradley has stayed a threat even when he's not at the three-point line. But, you know, so I look at it, there's pros and cons. You look at it and you say, okay, they solved the puzzle. LeBron played great. But I'm concerned about the rust thing. And, and I'm, I'm, tonight was just another example of how that fit gets clunky when you play against teams that take away all of the easy things that you like to do on the basketball court. Yeah, I mean, Russ definitely struggled. And again, I thought he played a lot better um, in the second half than that first half. Russ, to me, though, what he does is he likes to pass to areas, right, instead of players. So that's kind of what he does. He'll drive and like look for the corner, look for the wing, or look for the top of the key. And when players aren't there, that's when he gets in trouble, right? He gets in the air and he'll do passes where you're like, what are you looking for? But I think that's where he's going for. And he's always going like a step faster than I think wait, his body and his mind aren't like connected in a way where he's going faster than his mind wants to go or his mind is going faster than his body wants to go. And he's in transition and players aren't catching up with him. But again, second half, I thought it was a lot better. We're seeing some stuff kind of, 
progressed now where he's become a screener for a Le- for LeBron or he's really the only non-shooter because since we've gone small full-time he's pretty much the only non-shooter on the floor and I like that THT now comes in for him as the first sub where again now THT is the only non-shooter on the floor but yeah man and I've always said with with Russ and this is something that we've talked about all season and we're probably going to continue to talk about like this is just what you're going to get when you up his usage like this like you have AD now off the floor which means he's the full second time offensive possession guy who's taking up all these possessions and your turnovers are going to go up nine turnovers of course is way too much but again you're going to put the ball in his hands this much like that's what you're going to get you're just going to have him have super high turnover games i think it's great that they were able to win in a game where he couldn't hit a shot at all uh again over five from three but didn't take one in the second half those mid-range pull-ups are what they are hit a few of them he had a big one late to get an and one and uh, to me, like, you can't temper down Russ. You just lower his uses and possessions. And you talked about that's where Anthony Davis comes in. And I think that second unit is super interesting, too. Uh, we had, like, Russ, Reeves, uh, Ariza, Mello, and THT. And I think AD can kind of sub in for Mello or THT, whoever. And I think that's an interesting second unit there. Reeves and, uh, Reeves and Ariza, I like that combination. But, yeah, man, that's just what you're going to get with Russ right now. You're going to have up and down games. I think he's, you know, starting to find his rhythm a little bit more. He's still getting to the basket a ton, even though even if he's not finishing all that well. And he's getting to the line. He hit his free throws tonight, too. Turnovers were too much. But, again, only, like, I think two or three turnovers in the second half really improved his game. Minnesota, a team, again, that packs the paint. They're super athletic. Uh, Vanderbilt as well. Um, Vanderbilt is a guy who defends LeBron really well, I feel like. Uh, but, yeah, man, Russ is going to be like this all season. We're just going to have to kind of live with that until AD gets back. But I think having all our wings back has really helped, um, especially helped him as well. But that's what we're going to see for now. I think it's been interesting to see the way that Frank has stayed away from Dwight with the second unit, because this is something that I personally have disagreed with leading into this, because Dwight is a quality NBA center, especially as a bench center. And so it doesn't make sense to leave a quality NBA player on the bench when as a team, you've kind of struggled with talent throughout the season. But I think there's an interesting strategy that Frank is going with there. I think he's leaning into this five out concept and trying to make it so that all of his lineups are playing that style and so that they can get good at it. Now there's a flip side to that. Like versatility is part of the game. You'd like to have an opportunity to change your game plan if something's not working, but then you can look at it from the other side and look at the end of the game. They ended up taking Nas Reed out. So as much as Nas Reed was punishing them in those smaller lineups, they went away from him late. It was like, it was waiting to see who would blink and the Timberwolves blinked first, if that makes sense. They, they came down to our style and played five out at the end. And, you know, early on in the game, you know, that tug of war was happening and Frank did not blink. And I think part of the reason why, and what I thought was interesting, especially as we got to the fourth quarter, I thought we were a bad help team to start this game. There were a lot of plays where we would give up dribble penetration or a cut or something. And there would either be no help at all, or if the first helper would come over, we'd do a really poor job of helping the helper. And then everyone would be kind of standing around staring at each other and, they really, they really turned that up in that fourth quarter to take away all of those easy reads that, that Minnesota was attacking early in the game. And that was where, you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, because I'm kind of coming around to this five-out concept, as you know, just from, you know, following the show. But, like, I thought, it was, I thought it was really interesting to see as that game progressed, people, Laker fans, getting a little upset that Dwight wasn't out there. Because you, you, they don't see the overall picture. They just see one thing. They'll see an offensive rebound put back, or they'll see Nasri doing a power dribble into a guard and him bouncing off and laying the ball up. And they think, oh, we're getting killed by size. But they don't see all of the other benefits that come from being small. So, for instance, if 
a team like Minnesota is utterly packing the paint and completely ignoring Russell Westbrook, having Dwight out there in that lineup only compounds that problem. So even if you do keep Nas Reed off the glass, even if you do secure a few more defensive rebounds, you suffer in a lot of the other areas of the game. And so that, that's what I thought was really interesting about that idea ideology is when you go small, you understand that you're giving up something to get something. And I'm coming around to that ideology, and I was impressed by Frank tonight because he had an easy trigger he could pull at any point in that game. He could have gone to Dwight, put him on Nas Reed, and tried to fight him off the glass a little bit more. But he stuck with the game plan, and at the end of that game, you had two teams playing five out, Nas Reed on the bench, and one of the teams playing five out had LeBron freaking James at the top of the key calling for screens from guards and making reads and, and, and generating quality shots, while on the other end you had – lesser basketball players trying to do the same thing. So I think, I think it's interesting to see where that, that direction, the the direction this takes the team moving forward. And uh, especially with Anthony Davis coming back, kind of, you know, I've seen a couple people say this, like that's why it's so important when Anthony Davis comes back that we don't just start force feeding him in the post nonstop, because we need to try to maintain this style of play, almost using Anthony Davis as a wing you know, uh, and posting him when it makes sense, but not getting out of this style of basketball because I am a believer in this style. And I think it could work, especially now that we have some of our wings back because it's easy to look at the schedule and say, okay, you played Portland. Okay, you played Minnesota without their, you know, two of their better three players. But the flip side of that is we also got Trevor Reza back and Austin Reeves back and we're a much more functional small ball basketball team now because we have more wings. So I'm curious to see over the next few weeks if this translates to wins against better teams. That'll be a good indicator of whether or not this style will work um, moving forward with Anthony Davis coming back. Yeah, and I think the Dwight thing is super interesting because obviously they lean fully into the small ball and you'd rather have it be this way, right? You'd rather them be fully into the small ball and maybe they don't or they do go into a few bigs rather than under way around that it was when we started the season when we were starting with two bigs. The Dwight thing to me is only, I would like him out there just when it's like Carmelo at the five and we're kind of filling out Carmelo with Stanley Johnson or Carmelo with Trevor Reza. Trevor Reza only played 12 minutes tonight. Carmelo again hit a bunch of huge shots. I still think 30 minutes though is too much for him, but I just don't think he doesn't have, it doesn't have to be as rigid. I think Dwight can still play 10 to 12 minutes just to give them a break. Cause you can tell having LeBron be the guy who has to pick up Nas Reed full time. And you now we've gone into the, you know, how it's easier for him to play more physical rather than being on the perimeter. All that's true. He still looked kind of tired to me at the end there. You could see him kind of hands on his knees, <laughs> having to be the guy who rotates every time, also be the physical matchup guy who wins the physical battles right on the boards, have to box out Nas Reed. All that stuff is tough for him to do, especially when he's playing 40 minutes tonight, 40 minutes like he did tonight. And that's where I think just sprinkling in Dwight for a little bit, let him kind of battle, let him kind of battle, uh, win those physical battles against guys like Nas Reed, who was having a career game. He had like 21 and seven, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if it was the middle of the third or by halftime, something like that. He was having a crazy battle. They were winning the points in the paint as well, 52 to 38 or 52 to 28 at one point. Uh, that's the only thing I, I would like to see Dwight play a little bit, but I understand it. Like, again, this is nitpicking to me. They've gone all into the small ball. I think once Ariza's minutes come up a little bit, I think, you know, 12 minutes because he was out for COVID. So maybe that's, maybe that's why they're still kind of, uh, sprinkling his minutes down uh, for now. But I just would like to see Dwight maybe play a little bit. But you're right, leaning all the way into the small ball, I think it's great. I think it's helped the offense as well. We have a bunch of shooters out there. We're really only playing like one non-shooter at the time. I talked about Russ as the non-shooter really in the starting lineup. 
And then you have THC coming in for him as a non-shooter there. And then I think Dwight can kind of come in for maybe THC or something, just keeping that as one non-shooter on the floor. But yeah, they've leaned into and, it. And, and I and love Randall, the Stan Lance ball. Randomly, they went to both THT at Russ at the, in, at the same time in the middle of the fourth quarter, and the offense completely fell apart almost immediately. <laughs> right, right. But I like him not playing with all three, right? All three of LeBron. Uh, well, it's not LeBron, Russ, uh, and THT on the floor. I think that does help Talon, and Talon's still kind of in his head. I was happy he was able to see a step-back jumper go. He had some nice defensive plays as well in the fourth. I think he'll eventually get his rhythm going. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, that's where I'm at with the Dwight thing. I would like him to play at least, like, maybe if it's not like – he doesn't have to play 20 minutes a game, 10 minutes a game just to give a little bit of break on the physical battles where Carmelo or LeBron don't have to be the only one down there. But, you know, going to small ball, I think it's great. I think it's something we're going to do until AD gets back in February. Yeah, again, there's a good argument for it. It's the same argument I've been yeah. making over the course of the last couple of weeks on here. I just, I'm coming around to seeing what Frank's ideology is. You can see how if you played five out for 48 minutes, but then randomly turned eight of those minutes into Dwight Howard screen and roll basketball with you know yeah. a total, totally different vibe, guy in the dunker spot, that kind of thing. That you could see how that could disrupt the rhythm and flow of a five-out attack over the course of a game. So I, all I'm saying is, because I, I tend to be with you, especially since mm-hmm. I would imagine that you'll replicate some of the defensive schemes that you'll use with AD with Dwight. So you want to continue to practice those. I so I get it, but at the same time, I see where Frank is coming from. So that that's kind of my perspective with it. I think THT is trending in the right direction. I thought you saw. A, a different vibe out of him uh, in terms of his confidence tonight. You know, we talked a lot about how in recent weeks he hasn't been trying to bully people as often as he used to. And early in the right. game, just just drove, I can't even remember who was guarding him, but just drove it and caved someone's chest in and it had that little uh, uh, extension right-handed layup. He uh, has had a, quite a few defensive moments in recent games as well. I'm coming around on the THT thing. Now that he's back mm-hmm. in the lineup, he's not dealing with the COVID suspension. He's getting his rhythm back. He's getting his legs back. The jump shot, I mean, it is what it is at this point. He's going to to, to make some eventually. Um, he's not this bad of a shooter, but it could forever be a problem. Again, with these kind of guys, with THT and Russ, there's a fine line between what will work on the day-to-day basis of the regular season and how this could change mm-hmm. come playoff time. And it, I do think it's a legitimate concern. And it's something to keep in mind, like what works against the Houston's and the Portland's of the world doesn't necessarily work against teams that are game planning for you, that have seen you multiple times, that have seen what makes you comfortable. Like you said earlier, Russ likes to pass the spaces. That's exactly what something that's exactly the type of thing that can be game planned for. There's a reason why Russ likes to pass to the weak side corner or the strong side corner when he's driving to the basket. It's because it's the easiest pass to make. When you have a head of steam going to the rim, it's very difficult to make passes across your body. So as a defense, if you can game plan for that and you can pre-rotate to the corners, that's going to take away his easy read and put Russ in a position where he's throwing the ball all over the court and turning the ball over. So those are the kinds of things that are just are worth keeping an eye on uh, as far as, as things that could rear their ugly head at, at some point uh, in the future this season. But I wanted to uh, talk about Malik Monk for a second because – he has become – he started tonight, right? I wasn't hallucinating that. <laughs> yeah, he did start. So, okay. So, he uh, – in a weird way, he's become our green light guy off the bench as a guy that – I mean, Melo kind of has a green light too, but it's more of like in a closeout attacking kind of way. Like, we give him the green light on catch-and-shoot situations. But Malik Monk is playing with a ton of confidence right now. 
And even when he's taking some of these tougher step back shots and things along those lines, I just feel like they're going in. And so, uh, especially getting him with Frank back from COVID and getting him back on the right track defensively, I think he's trending in a way that really makes me excited. For, and he's another guy who's really thriving in this five-out attack, too, by the way, just consistently driving and kicking and creating an advantage or attacking when he already has an advantage. But I'm really excited about how good Malik looks, and I think it uh, is a potential ceiling raiser. Yeah, for sure. Him and LeBron definitely have a chemistry that just pops off the screen, right? And that's been pretty much since the season started. I think uh, we really missed him when he was out, I believe, for, in COVID protocols as well. Him and Reeves together, I like them as well. Just both guys who cut really nicely. And they were kind of two guys, it looks like they were born to play next to LeBron James. Uh, just guys who know how to cut, know how to relocate on threes as well. I feel like when he gets, because he when he take when he like takes his spot up threes, he gets into a dip before he shoots, and when, every time he gets into that, I feel like the shot's going in. You're right; he has a freedom, he has a green light. He's a guy who knows who he is, right? Like he knows exactly what he does. He's there to score. There's no, you know, there's no qualms about what he's going to do on the floor. He's not really looking to create as well. He's just going to the basket. He has all these moves at the rim too, but his jumper is just on. I think he started like six for six tonight or something like that. But he looks good. Looks in a rhythm. Looks confident as well. Doesn't look, you know, shy or scared of the moment at all. Um, even in big time situations, has hit big shots for this team. He's been awesome, man. He's been starting. I think it's been great. Uh, I think uh, putting him in for THT and the starters has been really nice. Uh, it just it just gives the offense a little bit more flow, has has enough ball handling as well, can attack closeouts. He's just been really good. They're starting to run action for him as well, comes off screens. He's aggressive off screen. So he's been just good, man. And I, I love the chemistry him and LeBron have. I think him and Reeves, like I talked about, are a really interesting combination. Even if those two don't start when the team is fully healthy, I think off the bench too. Just two guys who know how to play, who cut really nicely, relocate really nicely all over the floor, just can play off each other. But he's been great, man. He's been a savior. Him and Melo as well. Melo hit a bunch of big shots. Malik as well hit a big three tonight to get uh, to get us a lead, I believe. But yeah, he was good. And him and LeBron are definitely kind of growing. And we're starting to see a lot more like Malik screening for LeBron as well. Malik goes in the short roll, and he's able to score off that. Uh, those two really like to play with each other, it looks like, and he's been good. Yeah, the last guy I wanted to talk about that I had on my list was Stanley Johnson because I think he presents a uh, an interesting alternative to Carmelo. And I know they're totally different archetypes, so I get that. But just the type of damage that he can cause uh, with his size and athleticism, and we, we haven't really had a chance to see him, aside from the Christmas Day game, get to do it in crunch time. Mm -hmm. um, where, where I think that kind of thing can be very valuable because of how, how physical the refs allow the game to be played at that point. Yeah. But like he, that dude just makes plays like there in that first quarter, there was just, he had a big offensive rebound that led to LeBron's first three. He, there was a play where Malik Monk got a run out dunk where Stanley Johnson kind of trapped a, a screen and roll with Anthony Edwards on the opposite wing. And, just jumped and put some ball pressure as Anthony Edwards was throwing the cross-court pass. So it forced Anthony Edwards to throw it higher in the air and Nas Reed fumbled the pass and Malik Monk got a dunk. And then he had another play that led to a LeBron run out where he got a steal on the other wing. Like he just is so physically gifted and specifically in environments where physicality is allowed that becomes so much more valuable in Mello, Mello's shot the ball well over the last couple of games, but over the course of the last month, he hasn't shot the ball well. And I think it's an interesting thing to, and we talked about it earlier, you did, uh, in relation to his minutes and whether or not those two things are directly related. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they are, but that it's an interesting uh, idea to 
consider potentially going with someone like Stanley a little bit more and someone like Carmelo a little bit less, understanding that it does impact your offense slightly, but he does make a lot of impact plays. Like Stanley Johnson was 0 for 3 tonight, so it's not like he was impacting the game offensively, but he directly led to offense for us with plays he was making with his size and athleticism. And to your point, take a little bit more off of Carmelo's plate, maybe he goes back to shooting the way he did to start the season. And that, you know, carries a certain amount of value there. But I, I'd like to see just a little bit more Stanley. And I, 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 there was that weird comment from Frank Vogel before last night's or before the Portland game on New Year's Eve, where he basically was like, oh, we're going to evaluate him for the entirety of the 10 days and then we'll make the decision. And, you know, Frank is very keep things to the chest. That's very his ideology. He's he's very, very professional in, in that way. And I respect that. But I'm hoping that they see what I see and what all of you guys see with Stanley, because he's like a, like a, a drink of water in the middle of the desert. He's something this team has desperately needed um, and lacked this entire season. And I'm hoping that he'll stick around and that he'll have a bigger role. Yeah, I feel like the Rondo, you know, the Rondo trade that I don't think is officially yet, but that kind of uh, stood out to me as they're going to keep Stanley Johnson and Darren Collison. I think this was the last day of his 10 day and he was inactive for the last two games. So that can kind of tell you where this is going. But yeah, Stanley Johnson started tonight. I mean, players don't usually go from starting to our cut. Uh, so like, I, I think he's going to stay on the team. He's been great. Big physical wing, right? Big defensive wing just feels a need that this that this team desperately needed uh, on the defensive end as well. And he just plays super hard for all his minutes. And that's a skill to me. I think, you know, Playing hard is just seen like as something that every player can do, and I don't, I don't really believe in that. I think guys who play super hard all the time—that's a skill to me. Stanley Johnson is on this team because of his offensive deficiencies, but I think you're seeing players all around the league that are able to make an impact and that are, you know, offensive liabilities even at times, like GP2 as well as on the Warriors. You're seeing a lot of teams like that kind of pick up where you have stars who can handle the offensive load, and you have guys like Stanley Johnson who can, you know, just screen and cut. And uh, he takes he takes open shots, which I think which I think is important. He's not a guy that passes up shots, even if he's not going to hit at a high percentage. He's at least shoots enough to where he's respected and he can attack closeouts. And we saw a little bit of this during his tenure. He attacks closeouts. He can find guys. Uh, he has a little bit of a passing skill as well. He has enough ball handling to where, like in that starting lineup, you can rotate the ball to him and he can attack off the bounce or even uh, take that spot up three. But he's been good, man. He's been. Uh, a breath of fresh air, like you talked about, guy who just plays hard, and he just looks huge on the floor. Him and LeBron stand stand next to each other, and they almost look like like size. And having those two guys where you can switch actions, he's pretty much the power forward in the starting lineup. We're playing him as pretty much the backup five next to Melo. Those two kind of switch off switch off and on. And again, I, I would like Dwight to kind of fill in a little bit on those lineups, but he's been good, man. He's been a really nice fit on this team, and I think he's going to stay for a while now. Um, I might ask you, do you think Darren Collison stays uh, after after these 10 days? Do you think he's going to stay on the roster? I doubt it just simply because of the, what we know about the Lakers and the way they manage their money. <laughs> but uh, now that Rondo's gone, I'd certainly like for them to keep him at least until they need someone else. But, you know, us Laker fans, we think about this in a, in a way that doesn't factor in what the ownership group is thinking. I think if, I think if this was, you know, Steve Ballmer, I think he'd be keeping Collison in a heartbeat, but it's, it's the Lakers and it's Jeannie Buss. And I, I, my guess is that he'll end up being let go at the end of the, um, the contract. What do you think? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm really not sure because I, I I do think DeAndre Jordan is probably gone sooner than later. Just the way it's kind of matched up here, he's not getting any minutes, uh, and we have we've gone to no bigs. And I think the next big is Dwight Howard. So I think he's gone. I would like to see Darren Collison kind of get more than ten days. I think when you're off for three years, like ten days to kind of get your rhythm to get back to you know basketball shape let, uh, or regular shape, let alone basketball NBA shape. I think that takes. Time, like we talked about, and I think he has enough basketball IQ uh, to where he's made somewhat of an impact. His jumper hasn't been there. Just a smart, uh, grown-up basketball player, <laughs> like like the term we hear for Wayne Ellington as well. I think that kind of fits of Darren Carlson, just a in-control point guard. But, you know, his time might be up. I just would like to see it a little bit longer, at least until Kendrick Nunn at least gets back. And we really have no news on Kendrick Nunn. So I'd love to have at least one more just, you know, solid backup point guard where he can just go on the floor and kind of control things uh but yeah his time might be up but yeah stanley johnson i think isn't going anywhere i don't think avery bradley's going anywhere either i think the lakers have until like until a couple more days to decide whether his contract is guaranteed for a full year i think that is already done again he's starting as well so yeah i think uh spectrum said he's shooting 50 percent from three since december 2nd or something um, and he's missed a few games within that. But, yeah, he's been solid. Uh, plays his role, plays hard, uh, hits his open threes. I don't know what more you can ask. He's been a good cutter as well uh, on this team. So I think he gets guaranteed as well. Um, but, yeah, I think Stanley Johnson and Avery Bradley as well stay on the team. Darren Collison, we'll see for sure. So the I shared a tweet in the, in the space. You guys should be able to look at it if I did it right. Um, but who knows? Spaces can be a little janky sometimes. Um, but Frank Vogel, this is from Lakers Nation. Frank Vogel says he had to resist the urge to go big when they were getting killed on the glass. He feels the Timberwolves are a great perimeter crashing team, so going with a bigger lineup wouldn't have changed much. Um, super interesting because that's exactly what we were talking about at the beginning of the pod and this idea that these teams come into these battles with differing styles, and it's kind of about who blinks first. And this is really interesting when it uh, when it comes playoff time because you got to keep in mind, when you have two teams coming uh, to play each other, especially when they play each other multiple times, each of them have a point of advantage. This is something you and I talked a lot about in the 2020 season. Like when you're looking at a team and playing them seven times, what are the clear and distinct advantages you have? And obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis present two massive advantages that the Lakers have going into playoff series. And that's what we always used to derive confidence in the team and their ability to beat somebody four times out of seven is, there's no adjustment for the fact that LeBron's probably a hell of a lot better than your small forward or your power forward. And Anthony Davis is a hell of a lot better than your big man. And, and so what's interesting is you get into these situations, you know, this happened a lot at the beginning of the year, especially when we go big and it's like, okay, we have our advantage, right? We're huge all over the place, but they have their advantage. They're smaller and they're quicker, but each team is giving up something and both coaching staffs are looking at the game and they're like, man, this is frustrating. We keep giving up this. Or this is frustrating, we keep giving up that. But at the same time, they have distinct advantages from those same lineups. And it's all about who blinks first. Because whoever blinks first, the other team is going to be the team that controls the style of the game. And you saw that tonight. The Lakers stayed small when Minnesota played big for much of the night. And then Minnesota blinked and they went small. And then we got to play our style. And even though we're not perfect at this style yet, and we're probably far from what we're going to be at the end of the season – it's cool to see that Frank is committed to it enough to look at all the bad things that come with that style, but appreciate the good things that come with the style and stick with it. 
so that we can use that to our advantage uh, in specific matchups. And so I thought I thought that quote was interesting. It means that what we're seeing is what Frank is seeing. And I think I think it's an interesting thing to watch moving forward. Yeah, and just adding on to that, um, uh, Kyle Goon, who also um, covers the Lakers, uh, he, he had a quote today from Frank Vogel as well uh, on the small ball and, and staying staying small and not playing Dwight Howard. Uh, he said the Lakers want to adapt to competing on the boards in their small units. If we're going to explore this style of play, we're going to have to learn how to deal with this. So, again, what you talked about as well, staying small, you got to learn how to rebound, I guess, without bigs on the floor, wanting the guards to come crash. I thought a lot of times as well tonight our guards kind of stayed out on the perimeter leaving you know lebron or, or Carmelo or whatever to uh, battle nas reed or whoever was going down who was crashing to get offensive rebounds he talked about it minnesota's an athletic you know rebounding team patrick beverly as well as a guy who crashes offensive rebounds vanderbilt i talked about he's an athletic big wing uh and then nas reed as well the center for them uh did a really nice job crashing down so i'm with frank there again i don't think it has to be so rigid but i understand what he's going for he's trying to if they're going to lean into small ball, they're going to lean into it all the way, right? And I think that's the correct identity of this team, even though I think we can kind of fill out a little bit more with a couple bigs, with uh, just one big plane. But I understand what he's going for, and it makes sense, especially with AD out for so long. We have to kind of stick to the style of play, and we have to see if it works against the better teams. But I think getting our wings back is great. Having uh, Ariza, Reeves all in the rotation now, and again, Ariza only 12 minutes tonight, but I think that will pick up uh, with his conditioning kind of coming back. Uh, from co- from the COVID protocols. But having our wings back, it just looks so much better, man. We're not just playing these super small guards. Having a wing rotation has been nice. Carl Mello played 30 minutes tonight, uh, but he got to play next to other wings. It's Stanley Johnson as well. It feels like we added three players to this team, honestly, with uh, with Stanley and Ariza coming back, and then Reeves as well, who we missed. Like, that's three full rotation players that we've kind of added. And it just looks a lot better. The rotation looks a lot more clean. Minnesota had a couple of big runs tonight. You, ex- you expect that with how, how we played. Uh, and, and LeBron, again, just played great in that fourth quarter defense as well. But, yeah, man, it, it looks like we're kind of hopefully going in a better direction here. I think we have four more home games uh, to kind of pick up some steam in the standings. Well, you know, it's kind of like we're in a whole new season, right? Like, we were starting the season with Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan in the starting lineup. Those guys are both still on the roster but completely out of the rotation now. Right. And and we've, and we've added Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves has come out of nowhere to be a bona fide rotation piece. You know, uh, Avery Bradley was added literally on the last day of training camp. So in a lot of ways, the team is completely different than what we expected. And now we're playing a completely different style than we expected. So mm-hmm. it, it, a lot a lot of the stuff that happened early in the season now is utterly and completely irrelevant. And then I like that Frank used the word explore because that's kind of what it is. When you don't have a training camp to implement a, uh, a system and now on the fly in the middle of a, a pretty crazy NBA schedule, like they just played their fourth game in six nights, in the middle of this wild schedule, we're trying to learn to play a new a new style of basketball. And so there's go, like you said, there's going to be runs. There's going to be stretches where it looks bad. But the exciting part about that is that means that there's a lot more room for improvement. When you look at teams like Phoenix and teams like Utah, who have been playing the same style for a while, what you see right now is what you get. There's not an extra gear that they can get to in the playoffs, because what you're seeing right now Mm -hmm. is the peak. It's the peak iteration of what they do on a basketball court. What you're seeing from the Lakers right now is exploring. It's exploration. They're learning how to play a new style with new players. And the exciting part is they're going to be playing, even when Anthony Davis comes back, 
a completely different style of basketball than they did in previous years. So even the 2020 Lakers in the playoffs that went to primarily Anthony Davis at center, that style of basketball with LeBron and AD at the four and five is going to look very different than what we're going to see this year with LeBron and AD at the four and five when we head into the postseason. So the exciting part there is there's just a ton of room for improvement. As long as health remains solid, as, as long as you know you don't see any unforeseen circumstances, and as long as the team kind of stays bought in, there's a very good chance that they're going to be a heck of a lot better come April or May than they are now, which is not something that can be said about the, their competitors in the West. And so that, that, that to me is something to get really excited about. And, and it's cool to see them really, really buy into that identity shift so much so that in a game like tonight, when it started to go south, they just stuck with it. Yeah, for sure. And to be fair, like Phoenix, like I understand they're probably not going to peak a lot higher than they are, but that's, they're still at a very high level that we have to at least still get to, right? They're playing at a really high level. They execute really nicely. Utah as well, they have some flaws that really show out in the postseason, but I think they're still a really good team there. Uh, but when teams go small, obviously they have an issue. But yeah, I man, that's the hope. At least when AD comes back, he comes back to a team that's kind of in rhythm, that's going in an upward direction, right? Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can kind of move out of 500, get out of the six, uh, the seven spot, which I think is a play-in. Maybe the four seed might be a little bit too high, but I think there's still a chance they can get there, and that's the hope. I wonder if AD comes back, LeBron is still the center, I guess, in a lot of lineups, because I think that's something they've talked about, which is something interesting. And I think Vogel said the other day as well that, you know, even when AD comes back, him and LeBron are going to be their primary centers, and we'll see if they'll go pick out another big. But that's what it seems like it's looking like. That's what the roster is kind of geared towards. I think the Stanley Johnson signing is a representation of something they obviously thought they needed on the team. And now we have a full we have a full rotation of wings now, right? We have the Johnson, Ariza, Reeves. I think that's a really good wing rotation to have uh, and with Carmelo, who can sprinkle in as well come playoff time. But that's the hope, man. Hopefully when uh, AD gets back, this team is on a upward trajectory. And uh, Kendrick Nunn, hopefully he can come back soon. Again, just no news on Kendrick Nunn, which is, which is interesting. Hopefully he's able to come back pretty soon because I think we need his play, uh, especially at the guard spot. And we need a guard who can kind of score off screen rolls and stuff like that. But it's been nice, man. Malik Monk has been saving us. Carmelo's hit some big shots. Avery Bradley's been consistent. We're getting stuff out of our role, guys. Russ and LeBron, if they can continue to kind of build chemistry, we can go into the playoffs with some positive energy with uh, AD coming back as well. Yeah, Kendrick Nunn's going to be a breath of fresh air to try to take the ball out of Russ's hands a little bit more. That's definitely <laughs> something that excites me. Um, you know, we talk a lot about LeBron's versatility on both ends of the floor and his ability to play multiple positions, but we don't give enough credit to Anthony Davis for being able to do the same thing defensively. Like, how many centers could you be like, hey, we want to make our power forward play all of our, you know, backline drop coverage, you know, communication type roles on the defense, and we want you to go guard that two guard over there. Like, Anthony Davis can do that. Mm -hmm. That's that's what makes him so devastating. And in a weird way, like, I, I said this to... Uh, you I think two games ago but the Lakers have kind of tripped and fallen into modern basketball in a lot of ways by virtue of it was like Frank Vogel got dragged kicking and screaming by positive COVID tests and pulled you know MCLs into playing a style of basketball that he never in a million years would have and it, it's kind of cool to see that uh, materialize but Anthony Davis is going to be an easy plug and play into that and i think it's it's going to work really well but that's that's all i had for tonight Raj. was there anything else you had on your list that you wanted to touch well just last thing on the thing you said where you said we kind of fell backwards into it and i keep bringing up the media th day thing but 
I wonder if like the Ariza injury is such an inflection point on the season, right? Because that that's the injury that everyone's brought up has switched the identity of this team from small ball AD at the five to Ariza, Ariza's injury to now then we went to DeAndre Jordan uh, starting for 20 games. Like that's a really interesting kind of look back on the season. And we obviously can't go back in time and switch the games and find out. But I would just love to know how this team starts. Maybe Westbrook gets off to a better start if, if we go straight to, you know, instead of Ariza, instead of going to DeAndre Jordan, Maybe you just fill in, you know, Bazemore for Ariza and try to have a fast simile of him in that starting lineup. But I think it's interesting, but we're here now, which I think is important. There's enough games to kind of build a rhythm for this team to build an identity. And again, I think getting to where Phoenix is, is going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of games. It's going to take all the team being healthy as well. But yeah, that's the, that's the hope here. And I'm trying to find out. So Westbrook, LeBron and AD have only played 15 games together this season, which is kind of really interesting when you think about just how the other teams have continuity you talked about utah they pretty much have their same lineup bringing in rudy gay from last season and the phoenix as well has had the same starting lineup from last year so we're already kind of behind in there in our stars kind of only 15 games uh played by our stars so we're gonna have to pick it up but yeah man that's the hope hopefully kendra Nunn can come back and we have our full team we're getting close though everyone else is back 80 and none are the only ones left and uh hopefully we can kind of build and with some wins here uh going into the all-star break all right, everybody, that's all we have for tonight. This is going to air on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It'll be on our podcast feed probably in about an hour and a half. Uh, but we appreciate you guys' support as always. Happy New Year from Raj and I, and we will see you for the game on Tuesday. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year's.